Welcome again. Hey, uh, how are you? hope you guys are having a great evening. Sorry it's cold outside, not my fault. Uh, but there is hot coffee. I'm great. I'm here. Uh, love that you guys are here during this Christmas season. We started uh, talking about unexpected Christmas and this idea of all the things that are kind of unexpected. Last week, Jeff Root from Chicago, he's a pastor in Chicago, uh, shared with this idea uh, of what it means to be in part of the lineage of Jesus. Talked about Rahab and talked about Bathsheba and all these different players in the story uh, of Jesus's life and how it came into being and how that Jesus, through this crazy lineage, was just amazing, amazing blessing and that God uses the broken things of this world to bring glory to himself. And so this evening we're going to talk about three things. I'm going to go ahead and give you kind of the three points so we can stay on track and you kind of know what we're talking about. Uh, One is that when God calls us, when God calls us to do something, there's usually fear and doubt. But the second point is that God's call on our life is greater than anything that we could ever plan. And that God makes us by, God makes us what he calls us. God makes us by his call what he calls us. It's the second thing, is that God takes things that he calls us to do and they're better and greater and more beautiful than anything that we could ever plan. And three, it's not about you. It's not about you, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And we're gonna look at the life of Mary, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we have to come and just to to sit and and listen and to be under your word. Lord, thank you for the abilities and gifts you've given the people to worship and to lead in worship. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to come as a body of believers and just be renewed in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to tell you a story, and if you want to judge me, that's fine, but you guys are all middle schoolers and high schoolers once, so I got plenty of dirt on you. I was in middle school, going into high school, and I had uh, this, uh, this is going to sound terrible and you guys are going to judge me, but I don't care. I had this kind of irrational fear of people with disabilities. I know, sounds like I'm a horrible person, but I just didn't know. It was the unpredictability uh, of people and just me being uh, an immature kid. And part of it stemmed from a phone call. So back in the day, we had phones that were attached to walls and they didn't have caller ID and you didn't know who was calling and all these different things. And somebody called the phone and I picked it up. And they said, do you want to accept a call from Georgia Regional? Which I didn't know what Georgia Regional was, but it's our local kind of behavioral disability center. And I picked up the phone and I was like, sure, yeah, I'll accept the call. And on the other line, somebody screamed at me that just the word Washington. They just screamed, Washington! And it freaked me out. And I don't know why it freaked me out, but my, my parents and people randomly call me over the year, and they'll yell Washington on the phone to mess with me, or different things like that. My sister texted me after the first service, just Washington, like, and I don't know why, but it kind of freaked me out. And it's kind of the same thing that happens with God. That when he calls us to do something, it freaks us out. Because it's unpredictable, and we don't really understand what's happening or what's going on, and we're not in control. And that's what we're going to see in the life of Mary. And I just want to break down those three things we talked about already in the life of Mary and just see how God used her and her life and her devotedness to her, to him, and how he used Mary to bring about eternity through Jesus Christ. 
So let's open our scriptures up. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26, and we'll probably stop around 35, but the whole story goes through 39. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. But in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So we're opening a story. There's a girl. She's a virgin. She's engaged to Joseph. And you have this story that begins with an angel kind of popping out of nowhere. So it continues on. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favorite one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Angel appears to Mary, greeting favorite one. She's freaked out. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't believe that she's a favorite one. Continue on. And the angel s- said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, Son of God, and behold, your Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and is in her sixth month with her who was called barren. So that's the gist of the story. So what do we know about Mary? These are the five things we kind of know about Mary from the beginning. One, she's a teenager. Most scholars believe that Mary is between the age of 13 and 15. She was a virgin. This is pointed out three times in Scripture. She was from a middle-class family, engaged to a carpenter. How do we know this? It's because of, mostly because of Joseph and his carpentry work and how he could afford to travel from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem to all these different places, that, that he could afford to do those things. It's, it's an assumption, but I think it's a fair assumption based on what we know in the Scriptures. The third thing, uh, fourth thing is she was a devout believer in God. We know this because uh, just the way that this happened, an angel, Gabriel, one of the most powerful angels, appears to Mary and, and calls her, you know, devoted, calls her holy, all these different things, favored one. And the fifth thing we know is she was engaged to be married through the scriptures. So these are the things that we know about Mary. So with the limited knowledge that we have about Mary, an angel appears to her, a teenager who is a virgin, who is engaged to be married, and says what? You're going to have a kid. Forget that the kid is going to be God. Let's just separate that for a second. Anytime anyone finds out they're going to have a child, there's excitement, there's there's all these different things, but there's also a lot of panic and fear. What's it going to be like? Am I going to be okay? Is the baby going to be okay? All these different things and emotions kind of bundled up into one are happening to her. But the crazy thing is she's like, I've never known a man. She's a teenager. She's not an idiot. She knows that she can't have a kid. And so this fear and this uncertainty begins to creep into her mind. And she doesn't even know where to begin or what to do. You see, Mary was approached by the angel Gabriel and giving shocking news. One, she was highly favored. That's good news. 
The Lord is with you. That's exciting news. You're going to have a baby. That's troubling news. You're going to name him Jesus. He will be great, called Son of God. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary, if she's a devoted follower of God, knows that this child who's coming is the Messiah. All the trigger words, house of David, kingdom will have no end. These are the things that the prophecies in Isaiah promised to the Jewish people about their Messiah. So Mary, who is a teenager, is approached by an angel and said, you're going to have a child. And not only are you going to have a child, you're going to have a child and it's going to be the Son of God. It's going to be the Messiah. It's very clear and easy to see that Mary was troubled. I don't know how it works in your lives, but for me, I have a, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I struggle with how do you discipline them, how do you teach them, how do you love them, how do you encourage them, all these things. I don't know how to even begin if that child is Jesus. Is he correcting the mom on how she's parenting? Like, I don't even know how that works. But Mary was not just troubled because of all the uncertainty. She was troubled about what could happen. You see, God, by his call, makes us who he calls us. You see, Mary wasn't a favored one until God entered the story. There's so many people in Scripture that we see just like Mary. Think about Moses. When God said, go and free my people, he couldn't even speak. We think about Abraham, go to the land that I'll show you. We think about all the prophets. We think about all the people and Daniel, don't eat the meat. All these things God called these people to do. Think about David, who was a runt of a king. Think about Peter. Just walk on the water. All of them had fears. All of them had doubts, but they walked in and through it. You see, Mary had the same situation. Mary, yes, she was devoted to God. But being devoted to God doesn't negate the fear. Just because God calls you to do something doesn't mean that it negates the fear that comes with it. Mary's a teenager that's engaged in a patriarchal society. Just like every other woman she knew that had this problem, if they found out she was pregnant, either she got pregnant by Joseph or she went and had relations with somebody else. So she would have been just like the woman at the well. Or she'd have been just like the woman who was dragged out before Jesus and they said, stone her. And Jesus says, hey, he who is without sin cast the first stone. She knew that her only choices were death or to become an outcast. There had to be legitimate fear in, in Mary's life. You see, Mary had these plans, and God came and changed her plans. You see, God's plans are always greater than our plans. You see, what did Mary have that set her apart from everyone else and, and led God to choose her? That's one of the biggest questions. Why Mary? Why did God choose Mary? Is Mary some elevated thing? And, we, and not, not to be offensive to any of uh, uh, people who grew up in Catholic traditions or any of those things. We'll talk about that, that later, but... The reality is this, that what led God to choose Mary? There was things that, that reasons he, he chose her, but it's not because she had exceptional courage or boldness. She was scared. She was afraid of the supernatural. An angel showed up in her bedroom, and she was freaking out, just like any one of us would. She was a virgin, 
How can this happen? It was beyond her intellect. She had the fear of criticism, gossip, and exclusion. Pregnancy before marriage was a serious offense in that century, and we talked about this. If she wasn't put to debt, she was going to be kicked out. Fear of how this is going to change her life. Fear that Joseph would break the engagement, which he planned on doing. You see, some of the fears in our lives do come to fruition. And it almost came to fruition for Mary, but it doesn't negate the fact that God has called us and that he doesn't call us to walk in and through those fears. The fear of being unable to accomplish what God demanded of her. So why did God choose Mary? I don't believe it's because she was more holy or more righteous than any other people. The reason that we know about Mary The only reason that Mary is even a footnote in Scripture is because of Jesus. The only reason that David was a mighty king was because of God. The only reason that that Gideon was a warrior, a mighty warrior. See, God makes you by his call what he calls you. God called Gideon a mighty warrior, and he wasn't. He was hiding in a wine press. The only reason that Gideon is a person that we even talk about is because God met him in a place and made him by his call what he called him. The only reason we know about Mary is because God called Mary to be the mother of the Savior. And she chose, just like you all have the opportunity to choose, is to walk through the fear into the call of God. You see, a lot of us have a lot of things that we're carrying. And there's a lot of reasons why we should say no. You see, God has called every one of us in different capacities and abilities to do things, but he's called all of us to go and to preach the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. But because of society, because of environment, because of who we are, we're afraid sometimes about how people will respond. Maybe God's called you to move to Timbuktu. Or maybe God's called you to reconcile with a family member who you haven't talked to in six months. Or maybe God's saying you need to lay down your life for your wife because you haven't done so. There's a lot of different things that God is calling us to individually, but overall he's calling us to be followers of him and to be a follower of Christ is to tell and to make disciples just like Christ made disciples. But fear of the unknown and fear of the way that people respond and engage with us hinders us from being who God called us to be. You see, some of us are carrying a lot of burdens this Christmas. Some of us are going to be lonely this year. And the truth is, that's not the place that the church should be in. Because there's a lot of people that aren't lonely and they feel like they belong and they're engaged, but they're afraid of being lonely so they don't invite the lonely people in because if they invite the lonely people in, they might lose the belonging that they have and their fear of losing the belonging stops them from engaging people who are lonely. Because you see, some of us have the burden of being lonely this year. Some of us are facing financial crisis that looks hopeless. That's what we're doing, financial peace. Financial peace isn't going to save you. It's just a tool that we're using to help people be free from debt because a lot of us, maybe circumstances you control, maybe circumstances you can't control, are struggling with financial debt and crisis and you don't know how you're going to afford the next thing and you're pushing this bill off and that bill off. 
Some of us are out of work and don't have a single lead on a job. Some of us are looking at our marriage that seems worse than hopeless. I can't believe how many marriage crises I've dealt with in the last couple weeks. And every single one of them, no matter what the situation, if it's infidelity, if it's love, or whatever it is, no, man or woman, whenever I talk to them and engage with them, the people that have been hurt or the people that are trying to reconcile the marriage, they have the exact same response every single time. They seems like there's no hope. It's hopeless. And my hope and my call to them is the same call that God gives to me and tells me that there's hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, he can reconcile your marriage. And that's what my hope is to take them to the next step. If it's counseling, if it's help, whatever that next step is. That there is hope. Some of us have children who are far away from God. Some of us have estranged family members this season. Maybe it's somebody who lives far away or maybe it's somebody who lives down the street. And God's calling us to reconcile with that. Some of us feel empty and far away from God ourselves. You see, the call God gives you and me is the same call He gives to Mary. God's announcement in Luke really never had anything to do with Mary. It was all about Jesus. You see, the story isn't about you. So many times in our culture and in our lives, we try to focus on what our needs and our wants are, especially during Christmas season. It is a season of giving. It's a season of being together. But at the same time, it also illuminates. If not, it puts a microscope on the needs and wants that we have for relationship, for love, for care, for presence, for whatever it is. This season is a season of giving, but it's also a season of seeing what we don't have and what everyone else has or seems like they have. Great marriages, great families, great presents, great lives. That's what every Christmas movie, that's what every Hallmark movie is about. That's what all these things are about. But you have to understand it's not about you. Luke 1 isn't about Mary. Mary is in the story, but the whole point of it is an angel came to a teenage girl to say, hey, the one who's going to save you is coming, and it's going to be your son. Isn't that crazy? Jesus saved Mary for eternity, not the other way around. I'm not diminishing Mary's value because she was the devoted follower of God. And God chose her for a multitude of reasons, not even the ones that I mentioned. But in the same token, there's thousands of Marys. There's thousands of people that we're going to meet in heaven that were just as devoted to Christ. The difference is Jesus makes this story powerful. Jesus is the one that makes Mary elevated, not the other way around. Mary doesn't elevate Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he looked down and he saw his mother and he knew that he was dying for her because she couldn't save herself. It's the same case for all of us. The beauty of the story in Luke 1, the beauty of the story of Mary is Mary showed up. An angel said, hey, you're going to have a child and this child's going to be Jesus and you're going to raise this child. And she didn't know he was going to die. But when he did, 
thousands and thousands of years later, we are talking about Mary. God made Mary by his call what he called her. Hail, O favored one. And he offers that exact same thing to every single one of you. God will make you by his call what he calls you. And he calls us beloved. He calls us co-heirs with Christ. He calls us victors. But a lot of us this Christmas season aren't walking in victory. My hope for you is to see and to recognize the fear and the doubt that you have when God calls you and to walk in and through it to the other side so that you can see Jesus, that he made you something special. And the way that we do that is to understand that it's not about us, that it's about Jesus. And if we can understand that, not just during Christmas, if we can understand that the rest of our lives... We can understand that husbands are supposed to lay down their lives for their wives as Christ laid down his life for the church and wives are supposed to love and submit to their husbands. If we understand these things and then we take those things, those concepts that God's given us for marriage and we apply those to relationship and to our life, if we lay down our lives for one another, it's going to be a lot easier to hear and follow God's call. It doesn't mean, and I say this again, God calling us doesn't negate the fear. But Christ helps us to walk through it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the call that you've placed on my life, the call that you gave to Peter. Who do you say that I am? It's the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, I thank you for for everyone in this room. I thank you for the gift that you've given that comes in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as a body of believers, I pray as people maybe who don't know Christ, that this season will hear and understand, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, the unexpected call you placed on our life. Lord, help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to walk through and in fear to find Jesus on the other side. Just like Mary did. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.